How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Mom's out there looking great. Uh, I think I've met many of you, most of you by this time. Um, John didn't introduce me this time, so I'm just alone and unafraid up here, so stand by. Uh, anything could happen. Uh, for those of you I haven't met yet, my name is Stephen, and uh, I'm a member here at Pillar, I'm training to be an elder also. Uh, I'm a Navy chaplain, so don't hold that against me. Uh, I know there's some weird ones out there in the audience uh, that I can identify with. Um, Hal, Navy chaplain. So there's a, there's a couple, you know, a couple good ones out there. I don't know who your chaplain, but um, yeah. I've heard some stories, you know, heard some stories. So I... Uh, I was talking to John last night, and he reminded me that I actually preached last Mother's Day. And some of you guys might remember that. Um, that was the, the epic, uh, the spice rack. You guys remember the spice rack? So you guys are here, the spice rack. So my wife, Julie, has been so patient with me and uh, my, my gift-giving lack of abilities. So this week, our toaster broke. Um, and so I thought of the perfect gift that uh, we could do for kind of the backup, the spice rack. It, it, match, it could match the spice rack. Uh, but I've gotten wiser in the last few years, so we just went with a bottle of wine. And uh, I figure you can't go wrong with buying the moms a bottle of wine. Can I get an amen from the moms out there? So uh, last week, uh, who was here last week? So you guys remember we got to spam Pastor John with the texting? Um, so I don't see Linnea in here yet. So I'm not going to put her cell phone number up on there uh, because that, that might be a bridge too far. But if you have her cell phone number, um, please, as I'm kind of getting through my introduction here, uh, go ahead right now, pull out your cell phone and text Linnea. Happy Mother's Day. You're awesome. You're, you're my spiritual mom. Um, you're doing a great job keeping the Ransom clan going. Uh, so go ahead and um, shoot Linnea a text because she needs that encouragement as well. So like I said, happy Mother's Day to all you, all you moms. How did a, a great job reminding you of the, the time delay so you have a buffer. If this is the first time you're hearing that it's Mother's, Mother's Day, your mom hopefully is still asleep, um, resting somewhere in Conus, and you can call uh, later today and still be good, or tonight. So uh, let's see, where are we at here? We're in Philippians 3. As I, as I was coming in, John was like, hey, the, the verses leading right up to the main passage for today are actually our, our memory verses. So that worked out really well because you guys already got this. You've already memorized this. You've hidden God's word in your heart. So that takes all the pressure off of me. I feel free to just, you know, we could just pray right now and then go to lunch before the lines get crazy at the local ramen shops. Is that a thing in, in Japan? Dude, dude, is it Mother's Day here? So the ramen shops are probably going to be pretty packed. You might want to might get ahead of that. If you want to go ahead and turn to Philippians 3, that's where we're going to be. Um, this is such an encouraging passage. I've been uh, laboring over it this week and uh, just excited because it's, it's, it's such an encouraging message. And the, the songs that were chosen this morning, it's just a, it's a God thing. Um, and the, the memory verses that we're working through, uh, all that culminates into what, what today is really about is resting in your identity in Christ. You know, there, there's a striving and there's a struggling and there's a pushing and a pressing. And man, the struggle is real. And what a good message for Mother's Day because it's like the work is never done. Somebody keeps peeing their pants, sweating the bed. There's, there's food that needs to be done. The laundry needs to be done. The husband's like, 
good luck, I gotta go and, and go forth and conquer. And so moms are, a lot of times, are just the, the kind of silent warrior holding the fort down back at home. And like the struggle is real. So if you're, if you're in here this morning and your life is like just peaches and cream and nothing but blue skies and you have no issues, no drama, everything is awesome, um, you probably don't need to be here. You can go help in the nursery. Uh, they need you. Uh, but if you are like, most human beings, and you can identify with that, uh, that kind of struggle in the grind. This message is, is really interesting to me because it's like push and strive and press forward towards that high calling, but you actually, you can't do anything. So God's going to do it all for you. So really what you're pressing and striving for is just resting. Isn't that interesting? One of those interesting paradoxes that the way to rest in Christ is to press and strive towards him. So that's really what we're going to get into today. Um, Hopefully you're at uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3 by now. Uh, He's saying, um, like the verses we mentioned in in verse 11, he's saying, more than anything, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And someday I want to be joined together with him in heaven, to know the power of his resurrection, right? So Jesus, if he just died on the cross, and that was the end of the story, you know, rest in peace, Jesus, and, and, then, and that was it. Do you think that this group of people would be sitting in this room talking about him 2,000 years later? Would he still be rocking our world, changing lives around the globe? People that come from different backgrounds, totally different cultures, all identify with the same individual who is still alive and well because God rose him from the dead. That's hard to do. Not a lot of people have done that. So it's kind of a big deal. And what Paul is saying is, I would rather have my righteousness be placed in him because he's got the proof in the pudding than to have my righteousness that comes from myself because I'm pretty sure it's not going to work out the same. So that's what he's going to get into. That's why this is so encouraging to me. So what is he talking about to to obtain the resurrection that he says in verse uh, 11 of chapter 3? And really, we're going to focus on the back half of, of uh, chapter 3 today. So he, <laughs> he goes into this uh, after giving you so much in, in chapters 1 and 2. In chapters 1 and 2, um, there's kind of this, this uh, again, a dynamic tension between, hey, try your best, um, do everything, be awesome, be like Jesus, have a servant heart. But guess what? Um, it's God who's going to complete that work in you. In chapter 2, he's saying it's God who's going to give you the will and the ability to do the work. So it's God who's going to even give you the desire to do good things. And then when he gives you the desire, he's going to give you the ability to even do the work. So again, there's that, there's that tension between strive, 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 press, press, press. Uh, but God's going to do the work in you and through you. So that's why I say this is such an encouraging message. My favorite verse. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to pray real quick, and I'm going to share with you my favorite verse in the Bible. Oh, Bible. There's a lot of them in there. This is a good one. So let's pray real quick, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and continue. Heavenly Father, this is a, such a privilege, such an opportunity, um, not only just to, to preach the word, but just to sit uh, in a room on a Sunday morning, just to be gathered together with the body of Christ. Um, this is our forever family. And Lord, we, we get to celebrate together the resurrection of Christ. We get to celebrate uh, mothers today. Uh, Lord, there's so much to be thankful for if we would just stop and take a moment and have that attitude of gratitude to be thankful. So thank you, God, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Favorite verse in the Bible, John chapter 17, verse 3. This is where Jesus is uh, the, the high priestly prayer. It's the night before he's going to be arrested. He's going to be uh, crucified the next day. His disciples are all going to scatter from him. So he's preparing to, um, to face that. And in John chapter 17, 3, uh, he says, um, he's basically thanking God that God has given these people to him uh, to give them eternal life. And then he defines eternal life in just a little snapshot in John 17, 3, where he says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and the one who you sent, Jesus Christ. Why is that my favorite verse? Because I, I grew up Christian, right? So I grew up in like with the flannel graph, you know, before we had PowerPoint, it was like the flannel graph and little, and you put David and he goes into the lion's den and the angel comes and there's like the rays of light. Uh, so I grew up with kind of that, that, that flannel graph Sunday school feeling of heaven. Like heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. Like that's... <laughs> We just grew up with the songs, and it was just kind of this thing that's out there in heaven is, yay, marshmallows, and kind of like the Teletubby weird sunshine. Uh, but it wasn't like this tangible, I'm going to actually be there, and I'm going to see Jesus face to face, and I'm going to know him in that moment. That, that today is something different than it was uh, 30 years ago, Right? That's, that's a very different understanding as you grow in Christ, as you grow in relationships. So John 17, 3 is defining eternal life, not as uh, heaven is a wonderful place. That's awesome. You're going to go there in the streets and they're gold and you get, you know, a Hummer with 20 inch rims and that's in there somewhere in this one translation. It's, it's to know God, to know him intimately, personally, and the one who he sent, Jesus Christ. So he defines eternal life as a relationship. Have you ever thought about that before? Like, a lot of times we think about eternal life as in uh, fire insurance. Like, you got to get saved, man, or else you're going to go to the bad place, right? If you don't get saved, if you don't get your fire insurance, you're going to go to hell. And you don't want to go there, so get saved, and then you can go to heaven, which is a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. But a lot of times when we do the Great Commission, right, we go make disciples of all nations, we're not thinking what we're trying to really invite people into is a relationship with their Lord and with their Savior. So this is what this is all about, the pressing and the striving and towards the high call of God in Christ Jesus is that, that relationship. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving a, an extensive introduction because I don't want to confuse today the pressing and the striving, like oh, another, another thing I got to do, another area where I'm falling short. Thank you for that encouraging Mother's Day message. But when we understand that the pressing and the striving is into relationship, uh, not into religion, that's a very different, very different dynamic. So today, in a way, we're, uh, we're betrothed, is how the Bible kind of talks about the church as the bride of Christ, right? So you get this analogy of a relationship between a husband and a wife, or rather a betrothed, the, the bride, and the bridegroom. Right? So in the Jewish culture, this was, this was a serious thing to be betrothed. There were all the same legal implications uh, like we would have a marriage license for. So when Mary gets pregnant and Joseph is betrothed to her, by law, he could have had her stoned. Because they were legally, for all intents and purposes, were, as we would understand it, married. They just hadn't done the big ceremony and made it official. So this is how the relationship is, the state of the relationship is with us in a lot of ways now with Christ, where he's made us his own. He's paid the bride price. He has, he's made us his own. 
But he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that I can get, you know, my father's house, there's many mansions, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that whole thing. If it wasn't so, I would have told you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then if I'm going, I'm going to come again and grab you so that I can take you to where I am. So what do we do in the meantime? Like we're engaged. For you guys who have been married, that, that engagement is rough. Like that's where we're going, but we're not there yet. Right? Thank you. I brought him as like my plan. Like, dude, laugh at my jokes. <laughs> Even when they're not that funny and it'll help things just kind of go along. So that's where we're headed, but we're not there yet. So as we wait for this face-to-face meeting, uh, what this passage is really about is like, how do, we, how do we conduct ourselves? How do we do this? And again, in chapters one and two, he's saying, uh, God has, has begun this work in you. You know, he's, he's paid the price He's made you his own. You are his betrothed, his beloved. You are the bride of Christ. And he's going to prepare a place for you. And if he's going, he's not going to leave you orphaned. He's going to come and get you and bring you back to where he is. And that, that, is, that is where we're headed with this thing. It's kind of like the already, uh, already not yet. I love in verse 9 where he says that his righteousness doesn't depend on his own merit, but that it rests on faith in Jesus Christ. And this promise that God is going to make us his own. He has made us his own. He's going to bring us to where he's at. So to say that my righteousness uh, depends on faith is to say that I'm not trusting in my own ability. I'm not trusting in my, my ability to be a good Christian, to do the religion thing right. You know, to, to get, make sure I get my daily devotional and my Bible app complete with Instagram, you know, post on Facebook, like hashtag devotions, like that's, that's not where we're headed with this thing. It's into relationship. So striving, striving, I can't say this enough. Striving is not better at religion. The striving is getting better at the relationship. So remember, uh, remember that as we go through this today, that eternal life is not, uh, eternal life is not about the religion. It's about the relationship. That's my favorite verse. This is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and the one who you sent. All right, so let's get into this. With this backdrop, we can look now at uh, the second half of chapter three. So he says, it's not that I've already obtained this, right? You know, I'm going, I'm going. I got this amazing uh, church resume if you want to see it, um, but I haven't already obtained this. Obtained what? I haven't already obtained that resurrection. I haven't already been made perfect. I'm not quite there yet. So he says, I haven't already obtained this. I'm not already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had, has made me his own. I love that. I press on to make it my own. What? That realization of that right relationship with Christ. I press on to, to own that, to live out of that truth. Why do I do that? Because that is the truth. Like in Romans, Paul says it this way, reckon yourselves dead to sin, Right? Reckon yourselves dead to sin, alive to God. There's a relationship change that's happened there. And in verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I like that. One thing I do. One thing I do. Isn't that nice? Just one thing? You guys feel overwhelmed, like task saturated? Maybe you're taking some classes. Maybe you're getting a lot of stuff at work. Maybe you're trying to handle relationships and, and maybe some ministry goals on top of that. And you have your personal and your professional life that you're trying to balance. But I, I love this. It's very much of that Mary and Martha 
uh, story where Jesus is there in the house and Martha's doing all the work and running around trying to get everything just right. She's not doing anything bad. She's just busy, you know, and her sister Mary's sitting there and Jesus is like, Martha, Martha, girl, girl, quit tripping, quit tripping. There's one thing that's necessary and it's just, it's, it's what Mary's doing. She's just building relationship with me. And it's so easy for us to lose sight of that, to get caught up in the hustle. And man, I, I see my mom, I see my wife, amazing women who love their family. They pour out, pour out, pour out. But sometimes it's like, just remember that as you're doing that, there's only one thing that really is necessary. You know, us, us men sometimes work, work, I gotta go, I gotta go. I gotta be the, the consummate professional. I gotta, you know, earn respect of my peers. But us too, sometimes we gotta just slow down I might completely drop the ball. I might completely flop this. Or I might crush it. But really only one thing at the end of the day matters. One thing. And this is what Paul says. The one thing I do is I forget what lies behind. I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of that upward call. Like he's calling me home. My prize is him. And that's where I'm heading. And the one thing that's necessary is that I focus on that. And there's so much freedom, so much freedom in that, that if that is my focus, that's my aim, that's where I'm going, whatever happens here and now, it is well with my soul because that's where I'm going. And if that is your perspective, if that is your focus, life has nothing to threaten you with. That's powerful. Like, what it was like Instagram, Instagram mom, Pinterest moms, mom enough. Like you moms, like you, you're, you have so many challenges that you're facing. And like I said, guys too, I'm just trying to uh, be mindful. That it's Mother's Day a day and, and trying to hook you guys up. I don't want you to feel like, oh, here's this striving. Here's this pressing forward. And I'm just not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. It's like, no, you just rest. And the fact that your striving is to make Christ your own, to rest that he has already made you his own. And there's great, great, great freedom in that. So what is, what is the straining? What is the pressing? Oh, why aren't we there yet? So there I was. Uh, we need a story. I asked Julie's dad if I could have her hand in marriage. I'm like, he is going to love this. This guy is a former Marine, and he's going to be so like excited. There's this gentleman coming and showing respect and honor and like asking for the bride's hand. Like People don't always do that anymore. But I, I was like, Brother Des, I need to speak to you outside when you have time. I'd like to talk to you. So we take a walk around the block. Uh, Brother Des, your daughter has exhibited this amazing character and this love for God, and I would like to ask for her hand in marriage. And he says, Brother Steve, no. Uh, she's going to need about seven years. Uh, we're going to keep her in the oven for about another seven years. Um, she needs to learn from her mom some more. I think you need to grow up a little bit. Um, I'm 26 at the time. And he's like, uh, seven years. I'm like, you, you read that in the Bible, Jacob and Laban. You know, Laban's like, yeah, you can have my daughter in, you know, work for me for seven years, and then, you know, and then I'll give you the wrong one, and then you can have the other one after seven more years. So I kind of felt like I was living in this, uh, this Old Testament story, but he says no. Uh, so I was like, Roger this. Uh, I'll go back to the drawing board. But what I did not do is like stop pursuing Julie. If anything, I, I was working even harder to prove myself worthy uh, to take her hand in marriage. So you know, I'm, I'm saying all the right things, doing all the right things. I'm you know, like opening the door for her, 
just being perfect gentleman, perfect gentleman, hot pursuit, right? So eventually, I don't know, maybe six, nine months goes by. I'm like, I've been doing pretty good, Brother Jez. Like, I got a job now. <laughs> I can, <laughs> I have benefits. <laughs> can I marry your daughter now? And, and fortunately, this time he was like, okay. So I guess, you know, that seven years was compressed into about seven months. We had a, about a nine-month engagement. And then thank God, uh, praise Jesus, I got to marry Julie. But guys, what do we do? Once we get the, the woman of our dreams, I begged God like in, in tears, like, God, nobody can love her like I can. Like, I would treat her so good, like so good. She's going to be like knowing so much about you because of me. Like, just hook a brother up. So after we get married, what typically happens is we're like, got it. Like, I've, I've arrived. I've completed the mission. I've executed uh, the plan, and I'm good. I got it. And then the striving ceases, Right? Like a lot of times we, we do that. And maybe if you're single, you cannot relate at all. I got something for you. Because if you're single out here, you're probably in the military. Just think back to that very special day when you were sitting there at your recruiter's office and, and you were like, wow, I could be in the armed forces of the United States of America. I solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I, you know, bear true faith and allegiance to the same. You were proud of that, right? And then you got here and you had your uniform on. You're like, I'm here. What do you guys need me to do? Oh, we need you to sweep that floor. Uh, after that, you could clean that toilet and, and you'll be great. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Amen. So after a while, the newness of any relationship can wear off. And it can kind of like tarnish a little bit. And the hot pursuit that we are in, that striving, like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going I'm to enlist. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. Woo! We could preach a whole nother sermon on like begging God for kids. God, please bless me with kids. Please bless me with kids. Every single day, God, please bless me with kids. And you get the kids and you're like, oh, Lord. Oh, we don't know what we're doing. Help us, God. So we forget so easily in, in any relationship, in any context, we forget that we wanted something so bad and now we got it, and then what? And that compares to our relationship with God so much. Or there was a time where we were kind of in this honeymoon phase with Jesus. Maybe you, you just got saved, or maybe like me, you grew up Christian. You know, I, I remember like saying the prayer and doing the thing as, as a young man. I had childlike faith, and through my, my years, like God convicted me, and I would get my life right, and I would go to the little youth group thing, and I would feel really convicted, and I would kind of get on this high with Jesus, but then I would just get comfortable with Jesus, and I would just put him in the room over there where Jesus lives on Sundays. He lives in that room, and we just go in that room on Sundays where Jesus lives, and we spend time with him there. Can you guys relate to that? Like we get a little bit complacent. So when Paul's saying that I'm, I'm pressing towards this and I'm striving and I'm, and I'm aiming at this and this is my, my upward call and my prize is Christ, it's that idea that he's, the struggle is to not get complacent in the relationship. The struggle is to remember the value of what you have every single day as you read your Bible to get into the word, to, to, to look at creation and the different places that you see and observe Christ in your life. So there's a great book, right? John Piper, Desiring God. And it's like, man, just, you, just, you should just want to desire God. So years later, he came up with a sequel that included reality. And it was like, when I don't desire God. And I was like, that is so awesome to come back around and say, well, what do I do when I don't desire God? That's why I love that, that verse in Philippians 2 where he says, it's, it's God who's working in you both to will and to do. 
So even in that striving towards closeness, even in that pressing in towards relationship, you're like, man, I just, I can't manufacture that. I can't fake intimacy with my wife. Like, I can't do that. She will know and she'll spot me and she'll, I don't feel like you're really listening to me. Like, you are right. Uh, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. Let me try harder. So we can't manufacture that with God either. And even more so, God knows your heart. So to sit down and like just, you know, try to like get, get some feelings going, like just sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes you don't desire intimacy. But what do you do? That's where the pressing and that's where the striving, that's where the kind of failing forward idea comes in play. Does that make sense? But that's the gospel, man. That is the good news is that we're not depending on a righteousness that comes from ourself. Thank God for that. That's why Paul's saying, I can count all that as loss. I don't, I don't need any of my resume. And he had a much more resume than any of us, a much more impressive resume than any of us. So he's saying, I don't, I don't need any of that. In fact, I count that as loss because if I rest in the gospel, then it's the righteousness, not for myself, but the righteousness that I have through faith in Christ and this substitutionary atonement. It's a fancy way of saying that he died in your place. And to accept that by faith, to accept his righteousness by faith is to say, Lord, I am a sinner and I appreciate you taking the price for my sin. I want to apply that to my debt. I have this outstanding debt that I need to pay. But you say you've paid that for me? Thank you. And now I want to live out of that reality that he's already accepted you, he's already forgiven you, and you can't be more forgiven than you already are. That is a, an amazing, game-changing truth. When you get grace, when you get the gospel, and you apply it to your life, and you live out of that truth, your motivation then becomes love. Right? I think we talked about that once upon a time. The four motivations... Like there can be fear. It's when you grab your kid and you're like, I tell you what, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. That's the fear motivation, right? That'll work like a little bit, but then they might have some issues later in life. There's the duty like, because dad said so and you're my child, so do it because I said so. So there's duty there like you have to do, right? Well, you're a Christian, so you shouldn't be doing that. Well, okay, so there's duty. There's reward, you know, like, oh, you'll get a lollipop if you obey mommy and daddy. You can do that, but eventually you kind of run out of rewards and you run out of money uh, as the rewards get more expensive and they don't, you know, comply for a dum-dum anymore. But the greatest motive of human nature is love. So what does Jesus say? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Not if you're a, fear, a fearful uh, of, of God's wrath, not if you're just doing the duty it's the right thing to do, not because of reward anticipated. Eventually, all that will fall short. The strongest motivation where we lay down our life for another is love. And we love him because he first loved us. So we live out of that identity. We live out of response to what he's already done. Does that, does that get, get in there? Is that, is that happening? I want you guys to get this. It's such an encouragement. It changed my life. I grew up Christian, so I'm thinking, like, being a Christian is boring. Like, you got to do all this stuff, and you wear khakis and a polo shirt, and I say, I've arrived. Like, I'm a good Christian, and if I had the hair, I could comb it to the side, and, 
say things like, gee golly whiz, brother, I'm just too blessed to be stressed, right? Too anointed to be disappointed. It's a relationship. And when I, when I got that in my adult life, and I was like, wait a minute, God doesn't care about my khakis. He doesn't care about my polo shirt. He actually just wants me. He actually just wants to, to walk with me and, and have a relationship with me. And that's what I'm headed towards. It's not fear of hell or like anticipation of reward. That didn't get me very far. I rebelled hardcore against all of that. But what turned my heart and made it stick was when I was like, wow, he loves me. I love him too. So I got the tattoo. Uh, when I, I went in San Diego recently. I'm not saying like, go get tattoos, kids. <laughs> uh, I didn't say that. Uh, but I, like, I forget, right, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that everlasting life is to know God. And God loved the world enough to do that. Amazing. Where are we at? Verse 15, let's do that. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Like I said, I I grew up Christian, thinking fear, thinking duty, thinking reward. Um, But what he's saying is, it's the relationship. That's what we need to live out of. So let those of you who are mature think this way. If in anything you think otherwise, God will set you straight. God will reveal that also to you. It's almost like he's saying, if you think you've got it all together, if you think you are doing such a good job and you are nailing it, like stand by. God will show you that you need to walk in grace. God will show you that you need to live this gospel reality every single day. You will, you will fall short. If you're honest with yourself, you will fall short. And at some point you just need to be like, okay, I'm broken. I am needy. I need the gospel in my life. And at some point, you just got to be okay with that. And when you do, it's like, that feels pretty good. It's like the competition is over um, with other people, with other Christians, with yourself. The striving is just to know God. So that's verse 15. Verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let us hold true. What, what have we attained? Salvation by grace through faith. So at this time, when, when Paul writes this, he's been a Christian for uh, close to 30 years, and he's been, he's been walking with the Lord. He's proven himself faithful. So his main point here is that in spite of everything he's been through, the extreme highs and the extreme lows of Paul's time of walking with the Lord, what he's saying is that the main thing is still this active pursuit of just knowing Christ. He's saying, I, I proclaim to know nothing among you. Like, despite my background and education as a Pharisee, like, I did all this stuff. I was super zealous for Christ. But guess what? The only thing that matters is Christ and him crucified. That's what I'm going to continue to preach until the day I see him. That's where I'm headed. That's what I'm striving for. One more story. So Julie and I are are finishing up our time here. We got like three months left. Like, can we just, oh, okay. So some of you guys are haters. Okay, that's cool. So we love Okinawa. Like, well, that's a strong word. We don't not like Okinawa, but we, we just, we love what God's calling us to in the States. We get very excited about that. Uh, we're going back to San Diego. It's like the promised land. It's like heaven and San Diego, like right there. So we're just really excited about that. But it has been a, a hard season in a lot of ways. And I won't go into all the, the drama. You have your own drama. But sometimes it's just like, whew, we like 
just went through some, some stuff, man. Like, it's been crazy. So my parents were just out here recently, and they gave us the best gift ever. They gave us three nights. It wasn't all-inclusive, like all expenses paid. We had to pay for that. Uh, but they did watch our kids for three days, and it was awesome because we went up to Kyoto, and it was like just on a budget, second honeymoon kind of thing, uh, and it rained the whole time, and we were taking the wrong buses everywhere, and everything uh, was crazy. But like, we didn't care because we were together, and we had each other. So it didn't matter what, what was happening. We were together. And that, that's the point of this is like, hold true to what you've attained. Like you have something so special in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you need to like go to Kyoto and like just jump on the wrong bus and go for two hours the wrong direction. But enjoy the process of being in right relationship with Christ through that time. How can you invest more in your relationship with Christ? How can you take intentional steps to just enjoy him? Not out of duty, not out of like, uh, I really have been slacking on my scripture reading, my Bible reading plan. I'm like two weeks behind. I really have been slacking on my scripture memory. Like I've only memorized the book of James. Oh, I haven't even gone Old Testament yet. Like some of you got you just, that's not the point. The point is all of these things, like the spiritual disciplines, I was like, spiritual I couldn't even like say it, but when they, somebody, I think it was one of my professors was like, they're kind of like relationship tools. I was like, oh, okay. So it's not like a chore list to be a good Christian. It's like, this is what you can do practically to grow in intimacy with Christ. I like that. So spiritual disciplines, you know, tomato, tomato, relationship tools. Uh, When you take out the trash, when you do the dishes, all you guys are going to do this for your wives today, right? If they, if they don't have kids yet or now they will or they did, right? They're spiritual moms in some way, shape, or form. If there's a lady in here, just spoil her today. They do a lot. But when you're doing that stuff, it's not because you have to because it's Mother's Day. So there's an obligation to get flowers and go get a bowl of ramen. It's not duty. It's you get to do those things to express love benefit to doing those things is the love is often reciprocated, right? Who is it? Mark Gunger, laugh your way to a better marriage. Said one of the most romantic things you can do is just vacuum the floor. It's like foreplay. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, ask John, just text him. Just <laughs> oh man, we better move towards transition to closing. Chapter, uh, verse 17, brothers, Brothers and sisters, join in, intimid- in intimidating me. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So what he's saying is just keep your eyes on those people who love Jesus. Don't hang around with the people that are like the sour grapes, right? They're just, you know, oh, the music today was too loud. I didn't really like that. Oh, they only had ESV Bibles. I prefer the NIV, actually. Like, just don't, you know, if you're one of those people, like, just, where is the love? The love. Is that Black Eyed Peas? Can you do that? Next week. Next week. 
So he says, uh, in contrast to that, in verse 18, uh, there are many whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, this breaks Paul's heart, um, that they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. They're, they're, they're proud of things that are actually shameful to them with minds set on earthly things. So he's saying that, guys, keep your eyes on the examples that you have of people who are walking with the Lord out of love. They just, um, they can, you can tell, you know, people that are in that, that happy marriage, so to speak, like you can tell. Um, try to get some of that. Like it can be contagious either way. Uh, he's saying, watch out for those, those ones that have just kind of turned their back uh, on the gospel message, turned their back on that love for Christ, and they're just out for themselves. They're just trying to satisfy themselves. And in, in contrast, in verse 20, he says, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. By the same power, the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. He has demonstrated that he has the power to take a hot mess like me and you and transform us into his image and likeness. That is a process that we're on, a journey that we're on. That's where we're headed. And finally, in verse 1 of chapter 4, uh, this is our last verse to today. He says, so therefore... Because of all this, this awesome dynamic relationship and the pressing and the straining and the striving towards that end, because of all this, my brothers, who I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. So he's saying, stand like this. Stand like this. Forget what lies behind. All the failures and the past mistakes and those times where you fall short, put that behind you. And press forward into that closeness, that intimacy, that relationship with God, because he has already made you his own. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This is how we stand. So what do we do? What do we do with this message today? Um, I got a couple ideas. Uh, maybe you're here today and you need to forget some things. Maybe there's uh, the enemy just throwing past mistakes and failures, your shortcomings, your fears, your inabilities, like so many ways that the devil can just throw that in your face. All of the ways that we fall short and we don't measure up. So he's saying, the one thing I do is I forget what lies behind. I forget what lies behind. I, I let it be covered by grace. And then I press forward. So maybe some of you in here today need to like, appreciate the relationship you've had. Maybe it's just become a little bit stale. Maybe you need to go to Kyoto with Jesus. Maybe you need to find some way where you can intentionally enjoy, invest in that relationship with God. Maybe it's taking a walk. Maybe it's reading the Bible, listening to uh, Christian music, hanging out with a brother or sister in Christ, like sitting down and just having silence and solitude. Maybe it's going to a concert. There are a million ways, like take a walk in nature, go see a waterfall, and just thank God that you have oxygen in your lungs and blood coursing through your veins. Watch as you do that. Watch how he reciprocates um, that love and that affection for you. So if you're having a hard time with either of those things, again, you have John's number. Uh, you can text him. Highly encourage you to do that. Uh, guys, think about... Think about what an amazing church this would be if we, were, if we were at rest with our gospel identity. Think about that. Think about if the, if the striving and the pressing wasn't so that we could have something on our resume, but so that we could know Christ more. Do you see the difference there? Like you're still gonna do stuff, but it's because of love. 
It's because you already are accepted. So then you find the joy to do what God's telling you to do with your life. What kind of community could this be if we had the freedom to just love? We didn't need to posture or present. We didn't need to fake the funk. We could just be real. Like, today, guys, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I'm having a hard time. But I'm resting in that. I'm okay with my brokenness today. I'm okay with being needy today. I'm okay with just needing the gospel. How are you doing? You know, maybe you had a great week. But that's what we want to be. That's where this church is headed, right? Gospel community. To know Christ and make him known is the mission here. That's a lot. I hope that's an encouraging message for you guys. There's so much there. Um, You moms especially, I hope that you just... Uh, I, I've been praying that God would just like, give you a spirit of rest because you do so much. Just rest. One thing is necessary. So maybe you're failing in a hundred things, but if you know Jesus, that's where you're going. Amen? All right, love you guys. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, just for your word, how it's, it's so clear and, and it's, it's not that hard to understand um, that you know, you've, you've died for us, you've, you've paid this um, this sin debt, so that as we accept that for our own sin, you, you offer it. Um, so we're receiving a gift when we do that. And when we do that, uh, we have a relationship with you. It's a relationship that was broken by sin is then made right. And that's not so, so complicated. But what's really tough is how do we walk that out? Um, how do we walk that out day to day uh, in a world that isn't necessarily going the same way as us? Lord, I pray that you would encourage us um, to continue to press, continue to strain, continue to strive, but not in a sense of legalism and performance, um, but just out of the relationship that we enjoy with you. Um, May we find the strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.